0: Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Dipsomania, the podcast about booze and cocktail culture. I'm Jake, and in this episode, Lance and I take on one of the most classic of classic cocktails, the martini. But before we do, just a note that we would love to hear from you, our listeners. Tweet us your suggestions and corrections, because we know we need them, at DipsomaniaCast on Twitter. Now, on to the martinis, and yes... They are definitely made with gin. Cheers, so cheers. Happy martini. ooh, yours is
1: immense. That's impressive. It looks very big it's it's a three
0: and a half ounce drink.
1: Ah, see mine is two in in a in a uh, what is this? This is a... That's a, a Nick and Nora. A Nick and Nora, yes. And um, these olives, I used to... I did olives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer the olives because I think it's a little more classic. I, all of my friends literally do a twist. Really? I am the only olive
0: preferrer. I only do a twist when I'm in such a pitiful shape that I have no olives in my house, which is the <laughs> current case.
1: Oh, I I always have olives. Uh, these are, I'm going to say this wrong because as we've discussed, we don't know how to talk not English. P- picoline or Picholine oh, olives? Oh, I, I have no idea. They're French. They're tiny. Uh, they have pits in them. And I'm using the tiny ones because I opened my regular jar of olives and there was what I can only describe as olive snot Ew, in it. That's there was no some good. weird, yeah, some weird like, coagulated,
0: gelatinous forms?
1: <laughs> okay. And I can't even... Where does, where does that even come from?
0: Who knows? I mean, it's... Have you ever seen that happen? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Anyway, I haven't even taken a drink yet, so... Well, you should do that. Mmm. Mmm.
1: There is just nothing wrong with the martini. Mm. Nothing.
0: mm It's one of the first cocktails I got into, and it remains one of the best.
1: I also think because mine is smaller than yours, I get three today. Sure. Frankly. Okay. Because I've got a lot of gin. I have well, a lot of different gins and I wanna I want to do a lot of different things. Sure. Okay. I am starting with uh, this is my favorite gin. This is the botanist from Ilay. Yes. <clears throat> and my favorite dry vermouth, which is um dolin.
0: That is a fine chambray vermouth. Um I am using a new Gin, both to the market and to me, out of uh, Longmont, Colorado, which is sort of north of Boulder. And um, it's called Iron Face. <laughs> That's a good name. And it's, it's put out by the Anvil Distillery in Longmont. And uh it's quite good. It's quite good. How would you describe it as leaning towards um herbally or fruity or it's it's a uh, pretty herbaceous. I I would say it's um I don't know what they say on the bottle as far as whether it's supposed to be uh like new american style or you know a london dry or whatever. Let's see what the web says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the botanist is just – it's got
1: 22 different things in addition to the alcohol. Um, and I like it because it is both smooth and complex at the same time and it doesn't have too much of a burn to it, mm-hmm. which I, I don't mind a burn. But I think a martini needs to needs to be like more crisp than – Well, because,
0: because it's so much booze. You know, mm-hmm. The martini – Depending well, on in how, your case, it is. Depending on how you make it. It's mm. primarily gin, right? you just going to keep making yummy noises through this entire thing. A, a 90s-style dry martini is just a shot of gin, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Don't you pass the bottle near the glass? Yeah, uh, basically.
1: Or you do a rinse? Or didn't they used to make those, like, an aerosol? Oh, sure.
0: Would... Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. They also uh, people like to do absinthe in those little spritzer bottles too.
1: No, I made a drink the other night. Uh, I I don't I don't spritz. I rinse. Mm-hmm. So I, I I made something up. Um, it was I I had a little bit of the Monkey Forty Two left. Okay. Which is superb. But I, and I wanted to just do that straight. But I also I had a guest, so I couldn't just go. Here's some gin. I didn't think. I suppose I could have, but I felt like I'm the bartender. I need to make something. So it was a uh, chartreuse rinse Uh with with, uh, Monkey 42 and grapefruit and lemon bitters, and it was quite lovely. That sounds good. It was very good. I don't know if that – probably doesn't count as a martini because there's no vermouth in that one.
0: Right. So I did mine according to 1950s style. Uh, So three ounces gin, half an ounce of, uh, I did the uh, Noyla Pratt, Mm -hmm. dry vermouth, and a dash of orange bitters. I did, um, yeah, mine's fairly
1: classic, but also to honor Nick and Nora in the Nick and Nora glass. It's uh, an ounce and a half of gin, a half ounce of vermouth, and uh, the Regan's orange bitters.
0: And we should mention that. Nick and Nora is a reference to the wonderful movie The Thin Man, mm-hmm. which is one of the best examples of alcoholics in movies. <laughs> what do you
1: think they call this? Because this is the f- this is the glass they use in the film, hence the name. But what was it called before it was in the film? Just- it was just a cocktail glass. And did they have Mart? They didn't have martini glasses at that point. Do you know when when the martini glass came along? Like the angular. Yeah, like conical. The classic- yeah, martini glass, not the cocktail um, glass. I don't
0: no, I don't think not so. Not a coupe
1: and not a I, I have this I have another glass that's kind of like a tulip, but it's not I think it's a liqueur glass. Right. But I often serve uh my aviations in that because the Cherry just sits in the bottom so nicely, and it's like a little planet in a in a galaxy. Yes. So I say.
0: Yeah. So just real quick, the Iron Face Gin is labeled as Rocky Mountain Dry Gin. So basically, it seems to be on the you know in the in the dry gin family. So it's like a London Dry.
1: I'm throwing my pits in the garbage. Sorry about that. <laughs> I enjoy my olives very much. And maybe Fun. that's why I like the olives because it's like a little meal. Uh huh. You get a salad with your drink. It's it's not as um, you know copious as a Bloody Mary, which kind of goes overboard in my opinion. And it does, the, the brininess does do something for the drink. You know, I don't like a dirty martini. Right. I do. I did used to. Here's my martini history. I was going to ask
0: actually. So. Initially,
1: I d- I did do the vodka martinis, and I did Grey Goose because I told myself I could taste the difference, and I am still convinced that I can taste the difference. I do like a Grey Goose.
0: I, I was a Kettle One guy. Mm. I believe Kettle One
1: is the most popular vodka in the country. I believe you're right, at least by
0: somebody's measurement. But this was back in the 1990s, so you were ahead of your time. It, it was fancy to find Kettle One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grey Goose had
1: Grey Goose was kind of a well. Everybody, when I started drinking, it was Stoli. You mm-hmm. do Stoli or Stoli Cristal. It was super fancy. And, of course, you did call it Stoli, not Stolishnaya. I was not a big gin fan. Um, and I think it is related to the history of vermouth in that there were there weren't a lot of good quality gins. Right. There were a lot of okay quality gins, but it was nothing... That I recall being special. Certainly, I mean, there was Beef Eater,
0: there was Tankeray. Well, what happened in the '90s was um, Bombay Sapphire came on.
1: Mm, Bombay (laughs) Sapphire, yeah, that. So that that was
0: what turned my tables,
1: as it were. I would, I had a jug. I kept a jug of Bombay. Sapphire around in my freezer. I still keep all my gin in my freezer. I think we've discussed this before, yeah. which I know is not a purist thing to do. You you, you want to have some dilution and use the ice and get a little bit of water in there. But if you keep it in the freezer, you, you can have instant martini. It's super fabulous. So maybe keep one gin in the freezer.
0: That's what I tend to do. I've actually been following your lead just for storage purposes. And <laughs> I, I have like four bottles of gin in my freezer now. Yes. Just so it's not out on the
1: counter. I'm I'm in the same boat. I have, I have four gins, two Genevers, and one bottle of vodka. You have two different Genevers? I do, um, and I don't even like them. <laughs> but one I got uh, that's, because, that's why you still have them? Yeah, kind of. One I got it made by Anchor here in San Francisco,
0: mm, mm-hmm. um,
1: and it's not quite as dirty socksy as— yeah. No, I say Geneva. Is that wrong?
0: I have no idea, honestly. I've heard people say it both ways. It's just a little bit more natural. We should should
1: tweet out to the Bulls people and say, like, I did, did did you see? Oh, I saw. I asked Luxardo, uh, be it tweeting, how should I be pronouncing their signature liqueur? Is it maraschino or is it maraschino? Mm-hmm. And they did tell me that I am correct with my uh, debonair pronunciation of maraschino. Which which I am adopting wholeheartedly. Um, because it, it does come from the Italian or it is Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, maraschino, I'm, I'm sure it's just a bastardization. You look at it and that's how you want to pronounce it. But again, we don't pronounce it shul we say school It's we true. Don't say we don't say schedule other people say schedule but we well, say schedule they're so, british or australian so marisquino it just makes sense
0: so it's not affected so <laughs> 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 no it's it's, it's it's actually fantastic because you got your reply and i retweeted it and one of my one of my twitter contacts was like well duh it's italian to which <laughs> to which my response was Remember the part where we were talking about how we can't say non-English words at all? So, exactly. <laughs> so this one, you get right. So I'm – I'm while we're ta- – this will be a
1: test because the, the Luxardo people came back fairly quickly to my request. So I'm going to send a twit, twit, tweet <laughs> <laughs> to Bowles and they are at Bowles, Geneva or Jennifer and see – if they oh they have two actually they have a 1575 what i don't know uh, that's a different geneva obviously and bulls has been around that long too i had this discussion Bowl, uh, Bowles has
0: been around i been, i first knew about bulls from like crappy blue curacao and stuff like mm-hmm. that but you have
1: to you have to talk while i type
0: but they they have been around forever and they i, I believe they're starting point was the Jennifer slash Geneva. Um, but then they branched out to Curacao's and other, like, you know, just kind of sports bar level mixers, which Mm -hmm. I never had a grand opinion of them, but then they brought back the Jennifer and sort of rebranded it and got the nice tall bottle with the pretty label and everything. Mm -hmm. They're kind of upping their legitimacy these days. I'm going to say there's a bet riding on this. So um, maybe
1: maybe it'll happen more organically, but remind me that I did go back to Whitechapel this week. I saw that, yes. Uh after it it opened last month, I want to say either November or December, mm-hmm. and um you didn't especially like it. I did I didn't. I mean, I I I will you know to 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 their favor it was we went opening night, which is always going to be a bit of a shit show yeah um and and it was it was overcrowded um like
0: opening opening night or like opening opening night like not no. a, not
1: a soft opener it was not like a soft opening this was an opening night, so everybody was there, everybody who's anybody was there, <laughs> and everybody who's nobody was also there, including and, uh, you including me. <laughs> And they have a they have an ample cocktail menu. Uh, it it runs for pages. They have two pages of gin and tonics. They have three, I believe, pages of martinis. Well, then because this doing, is the gin place, right? It is a gin place. Um, they have like three hundred gins that you can try. It should be your favorite bar. It should be my favorite bar. I would I would agree wholeheartedly. But the, but uh, again. For those who don 't know me i 'm not a big crowd fan in sure. the first place. The other thing about this bar is uh, which is fairly typical for a bar, but you don 't notice it until it 's brought up to you is that there are no there 's one door to get in and no windows so when it 's crowded and everybody 's drinking and talking and mm-hmm. lapping and exhaling, it gets very warm and sort of moist in there yep, and also um, all of the surfaces are either tile. Or, um, uh, there's, there's no carpeting, there's no, every, everything's <laughs> a blank surface, so we're, it's loud. Were, th- were the walls sweating? Um, possibly. <laughs> uh, we were, we were in the back room, uh, which is, uh, more or less the restaurant area, um, near the kitchen, and they have their own bar back there. And so it wasn't so bad because it's seated, but hmm. the, the bar area was just, Oh, Pandemonium it was way way too much, and also it took a really long time to get drinks because the crowd was huge, and they probably weren 't as familiar with that huge menu as they would become given time you you know you learn what the crowd wants and you become more familiar with the often ordered drinks and the other ones, or you start pushing the ones that you like and et cetera um so my my initial impression was it was kind of a uh a tourist attraction um it's it, it's gorgeous they 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 the money they spent on this place shows up in every square inch of it because it's it's made to look like a london underground station
0: this is from the people that do the tiki bar right? smuggler's cove yes
1: yeah, okay uh it's by the smuggler's cove people
0: so um, they, they already have sort of a penchant for themes and they do, um, and they. I
1: think they took this one a couple of steps up. Smuggler's Cove. You haven't. You haven't been, have you?
0: Um,
1: Smuggler's Cove does a lot for the space that it's in. It's not. In a, it's not a very big bar. Uh, it's two. Uh, actually, three levels. Sorry. There's a basement and a main level and a, a small um, sort of balcony, <clears throat> and it is chock a block with uh, tiki stuff. Um, it looks like. Uh, you wandered onto the set of Pirates of the Caribbean. There are no talking parrots or anything.
0: That's that's what a tiki bar is supposed to look like, though. Right, that, that's what you um, expect from any place that calls itself a tiki bar. Exactly. I mean, it it lives up to that. Also, the
1: drinks are good. In fact, good to great. I mm-hmm. haven't. I don't think I've had a bad drink there. And being that they are you know rum fruity drinks, you you drink three of them without realizing until you stand up. <laughs> I've just. I just had six ounces of rum. Yeah. And they also just know what they're doing, right? They've they, 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 they they've been making these – they love these drinks. They've been making these drinks for a long time. Um, you can just rattle off your order and they will start making it without having to worry about what were the ingredients and which rum are we using in that? Right. Um, which we didn't run into at Whitechapel, but I think that's because, again – uh, even though they're doing classic cocktails and they're doing uh, a, a variety, uh, like you, you really can't go wrong with a martini because they're th- th- although although it's three pages, so they're doing old Tom martinis and they're doing um, you know they're they're shaking up whether it's a a, a dry or a blanc a vermouth and things like that.
0: Oh, and they have at least one page on their menu that's like historical, you know, progenitors of the martini and stuff yeah, like the that. Martinez and
1: and so forth. Um, so benefit of the doubt I, I can see that going on the opening night was probably not the best uh, taste of the bar that you were going to get, so we went back this week um, and one of one of the people I was there with uh, was actually employed by the bar to uh, put on the facade, so to speak, so and not the de- not the designer who who drew up the plans and said. There's a pipe up here, and and this is what the this is where the botanicals go, and all that thing. But she um, applied the the uh, lacquer to the walls, so they look like they've been you know oh, covered okay. with soot for generations, and was telling us about the details that you can't see because you know it, it's San Francisco, so it's vaulted ceilings, and the the ceilings are covered with stuff like the. The bar area itself looks like the tube in that it's a it's a round vaulted ceiling mm-hmm. that's completely tiled. Uh, the room that we sat in this time was that seems in like front it would room. be
0: so loud. It
1: does tend to get loud as the as the evening progresses. Um, I mean, luckily for us, you know, we we start our tipple Tuesdays as early as possible, so <laughs> <laughs> we get there at five or five thirty when the bar opens. Sure, uh, and. Uh, and at that point, it's not you. You get the attention of of the bar staff. You can ask questions. Um,
0: no, it's uh, it's really uh, disturbing how alike we are in these aspects. Like five o'clock is my favorite time to go to a bar because it, nobody's there, and you get to chit chat with the bartenders, and you. Get it's wonderful. W- I, I one to I, one time recommend it to anybody
1: if, if there is a bar that you've been meaning to go to, see when it opens and go when it opens because they're going to be excited to see you and happy to see you. Uh, they're going to have the time for you um, if you do have questions about the menu or if you – this is also the time to have a special order and see what the bartender can come up with for you.
0: It's the best time to do bartender's choice.
1: Yes. Um, so the first drink I had uh, was one of their specials which was called um, – <laughs> it wasn't a savoy uh, oh man i should write these things down when i order them um i don't remember what it was called but it was really good did you tweet it i might have tweeted it i don't <laughs> i don't recall uh the second one i though i do remember because it is a classic i had a singapore sling oh because i've never had one. Oh really and i've heard bad things about it i don't know when you gen- – well, I'm. what I say is – when I say that, I, I mean that generally speaking, when you order one, it's going to be syrupy and sweet oh, sure. and kind of blech. So I thought, well, this – if you're going to have a Singapore sling and you're going to have it in the classic style, right. this would be the place to do that.
0: So I got a really good tiki recipe book and it included a Singapore sling and I started making Singapore slings that summer for my wife and I. And we just loved them. We had such a good summer just drinking Singapore Sling. So I, I have nothing but fond thoughts for Singapore Sling. And explain what's in them because I don't – I didn't really read the ingredients. I just ordered it. From, from the top of my head, I can't. So oh, OK. I, I will, I will uh, cons- so <laughs> consult I, the internet.
1: I was there with my drinking partner, as usual, Dinah, who um, has, I believe – been to raffles in hong Hong kong raffles it's the hotel where the singapore sling was originated okay uh either she or her partner joe had been there and had one and they said it was terrible because it's a tourist drink that you go to raffles to have sure so at this point it's like probably you know a bottle they keep in the fridge and they pour it and
0: here's your singapore sling okay so uh, according to wikipedia which is not always the best place to get cocktail recipes, but (laughs) according to the IBA-specified ingredients, you have gin, cherry hearing, which is a cherry brandy, uh, Cointreau, orange liqueur, and Benedictine with some grenadine, pineapple juice, lime juice, and Angostura bitters. It's a lot. It is a lot.
1: Um, so I, I'm going to say that hearing is probably the 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 taste that I would most apply to it mm-hmm. was cough syrup. Sure, that's it,
0: <laughs> that's the that's the combo of the Benedicting and the hearing. I bet.
1: Yeah. So I wasn't impressed. Um, I probably won't have another one. Okay. Uh, uh, it didn't, it didn't
0: hit, it didn't hit my pleasure zone. Well, I <laughs> mean, my, my danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a different podcast, Lance. Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's a sweet drink, which is not your thing. It's not our thing. Well, it wasn't here. It wasn't too sweet, which is what I appreciated about it. Cause
1: mm. I, I, I or maybe because my mouth was set for it. Cause I'd been told so often that it's kind of syrupy and, but but on the other hand, it's not really a winter drink either. It's not something. No. So probably the season was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see sitting out on a sweaty porch and having tons of those.
0: It's it's a great at home drink. I think despite its many ingredients, mm-hmm. um, you can shake up a bunch of those and just have a party on your back porch, and it's good times. <laughs> if you have a back porch. Yeah. Um,
1: so so having had that and, and being unimpressed with it, uh, our uh, waitress, Elspeth, uh, <laughs> d- did ask what I thought about it. And I was like, oh, not my favorite drink. And she goes, you know, it's not mine either. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if we agree on that, what would you recommend that I try? Mm-hmm. So then we moved in. This is the dangerous thing because keep in mind, I'd already had two cocktails. Sure. And these weren't full cocktails. I was not doing the safe bet here. <laughs> and um Is that an option? Well, you can you can do the shims, you know, you can you can oh, go sure. a little bit lighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being that you're in a gin bar, it's probably harder. Mm-hmm. But um so the third and the fourth drink. Oh boy. Uh oh. Uh <laughs> were were spectacular. We're really good. Um so uh, my my earlier um, hesitancy about the bar, I have to take it back 100%. Um, we had a really good time. Um, the, the room we're in, which is if you come in the entrance and you immediately make a left and circle around, it's called the uh, distillery because it's it's made to look like a Well, not any distillery I've ever seen, but they have these... Uh, lighted bubbling lamps on the wall, and inside each <laughs> lamp is one of the botanicals that you'll find in gin. Sure. Along the ceiling are pipes that are presumably. We we thought it was kind of Willy Wonka ish. Uh-huh. Like maybe gin would start flooding out of there. Right, and right. We'd all be buried in it, which none of us would have. Uh, that would have been right up our alley. Sure. But being that it hasn't been around for a very long time and also it's not in the choicest of neighborhoods, but they've done a really fantastic job of, of having the staff be right on point. The drinks uh, were all really well made. Everybody was happy. And you, you do just want to get up occasionally and wander around and look at the – it's just crazy beautiful. I mean it's really a nice bar inside. So when you come to town – but we'll we'll definitely make that a stop.
0: Well, my wife Heather, since she started listening to this podcast, is adamant that we have to go to San Francisco and visit you. So,
1: okay. Well, there's yeah, there's a few bars here, and there's more coming. It's just yeah, they're opening the the guys. I'm, uh, I'm
0: surprised actually. There was a uh, neighborhood that you would describe as not quite choice.
1: Well, th- so the bar is on the corner of Turk and Polk, which is in the Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you know anything about San Francisco, the Tenderloin is the one area that still hasn't been gentrified. Even like still, it, re- it refuses to get gentrified. Okay, um, it is. It is a crack whore haven. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's it is fairly dicey walking along the street. You're you're like, should I take my phone out? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Again, I. I I feel safe because I'm a big dude, and uh, even though I would probably run away screaming, I I think I present. You know, I yeah. I would think if you're a lady, you're going to take more precautions than I'm going to take in this neighborhood. But you know, take Uber there. Don't walk like I did. Right. And and you're fine. And it is right, basically, in the heart of the Tenderloin. It's it's, it's like near Civic Center, and and uh, but the, they probably you know got that lease for less than they could anywhere else. Sure. Um, and it is a big space. It's really it's really ample, um, but it does get filled up. So, like, weekends I would probably not go there. I don't see it getting calm anytime soon because no. it is a place where once you go, it's like everybody I know has to see this. It's crazy good. Right. But I was mentioning, so, the gang who did Bourbon and Branch and uh, a couple of other bars whose names have escaped my head uh, are, rumor has it, are opening their own tiki. Mm. In the same neighborhood So uh, I think like You could do spillover And go
0: from <laughs> Whitechapel, <laughs> London Underground Just destroy yourself right <laughs> You started to tell I don't know if you finished Sort of your relationship With the martini You used mm. to be a vodka martini guy uh, Yeah I assume that was circa Like mid-90s or something like that Yes,
1: if memory serves, everything gets a little blurry for me, but prior to that my experience my, my cocktail of choice would have been a Tom Collins and probably a vodka Collins if I'm being honest. Um <laughs> Well, because you were more of a wine guy, right? I was more of a wine guy, yes. Um and and red wine, well, you know I did I did the transition from white to red. Like I was a I was a lightweight in where alcohol is concerned. And that was um, not accidental. That was by choice because I was brought up with someone who didn't handle their alcohol well and was also, when they got into their cups, became angry and slash violent. Right. So I didn't drink at all in high school. I didn't, even when I turned 21, my mother wanted to take me out for a drink. And I'm like, I don't want a drink. I just, I've seen what happens to people. And it wasn't until a a really... (laughs) A really bad summer, when a lot of bad things happened all at once. Being that I was in a car accident, lost my job, got thrown out of my apartment by my roommate because I had lost my job. Sure, that I decided it's time to start drinking. <laughs> um, and 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 luckily for me, this was the age of the wine cooler. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, what was the other? Um, there was like a, a, a um, oh, like Zima. Zima, exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to think of, which is which, – what is a Zima or it's, what was it's, a Zima? It's malt liquor. <clears throat> oh, man. So um, so yeah, we would do those and, and luckily for me, I was old enough to buy all the alcohol that I could possibly want because I was of legal age. Um, but I still – I didn't enjoy – the taste of alcohol, which is why I was buying one. Coolers, coolers in Zima. Zima yeah. So I started with white wine. and went, uh, um, I moved to red wine after being convinced by friends in Denver, actually, that red is the way to go. If you want to have some complexity in your drink mm-hmm. and you want to really taste something interesting and doesn't taste like basically fortified grape juice, sure. you need to go into the reds. Which, no,
0: which I, I will dispute now. I've had some really, really good white wines.
1: Yeah, uh, and and I was just going to say, you know, I, I don't mean any dis- disrespect to people who love whites, but if given the choice, I will always take a red over a white. Same, uh, yeah, even with a fish dish, whatever, whatever those rules are about wine. Anyway, those are all so, garbage. The the wine with food yeah, rules, those, those are all garbage. That's good to know because I treat them as such. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, the 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 cocktail of choice would be a vodka Collins, and and probably a gin and tonic. Uh, then you know it. It's A gin and tonic is, a, is an easy drink to order and have. Yes. And depending on the bar, you're going to get more tonic than gin anyway. Right. Uh, and the gin that they serve isn't going to be doing any arguments in your head. So. But
0: it's it's still a palatable drink. Like, it's it's a tasty it drink. Even a bad gin and tonic is... As a, de- a good drink. It's yeah. a decent drink.
1: But it was, as, as you said, it was um, when I was introduced to, well, actually, I'm going to say there were two gin moments for me. The first was um, Bombay Sapphire, mm-hmm. and, um, and <laughs> the reason was not because it tasted good. It was pretty. It glows in the dark.
0: Uh, which you've mentioned to me or before. Actually,
1: it Actually, it doesn't glow in the dark. It glows under black light. Black light, yeah. So they would make drinks in this one bar that
0: would gl- it literally
1: glows like a sapphire it's a mm-hmm. blue glow and you were like ooh cool i'm going to drink it's like it's like having a flaming drink without the flaming
0: yeah i so have i have never known that until you told me and uh, yeah it, so it i don't make, know it makes sh- me want to get a bottle of sapphire <laughs> Just put it under black light um
1: so, the se- and my second awakening was uh, when I was in London for the first time, and this was um, job related. Um, and apologies if I've told this story before, but um, we were at uh, a, a bar, and my boss pointed behind the bar, and I was mentioning that I wanted to get a gin and tonic. And she goes, Have you had that gin? And she was pointing at Hendrix, mm-hmm. which at that point I don't believe was available in America. It was still only in uh, England and probably Europe, right? And I was like, "No, I don't." I, blah, it's gin, yeah. right? Yeah. What's the big deal? Gin is well, yeah, gin. <laughs> it's all the same. I'm going to get a gin and tonic, and um, the bar was nice enough to pour, you know, a little taste of it,
0: mm-hmm. and it was awesome. It was so good and different. I, re- of- I really want to know if Hendrix has changed their recipe, or if my palate has just changed. No, oh, is because it's less interesting, or no, it's just different. Like these days, when I drink Hendrix, I taste rose. Like mm-hmm. I, I taste the floral aspect. When I first tasted Hendrix, it was all about the cucumber. All I could taste was the cucumber.
1: Yes, uh, I would tend to agree with that. And I wonder if it's well, we could tweet them too and say, "Have, have you? Are you fucking with the cucumber?" But so that was my second. Like, oh, gin can be not at all what I thought – like because vodka is vodka. And to me at the time also like rum was rum and tequila mm-hmm. was tequila. And I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Right. Um, but that the, – the spectacular difference between having – Bombay Sapphire and Hendrix, and then exploring more into the the gin realm.
0: Because because just just a step back, like the the reason Bombay Sapphire was sort of a revelation in the mid nineties was back then it was just like what's the smoothest gin you can find? It was like what's the least sort of punch you in the facey kind of yep. gin? Yeah, and Bombay Sapphire was that. Whereas yes. starting with Hendrix. Complexity started coming into the equation, and it's just blown up since then. We have gins now that are just bonkers, like uh, Uncle yeah. Uncle
1: Val's and uh, you know you're the second person who's brought up Uncle Val's because they, they at Whitechapel. That's at least one of the bartenders' like favorite. Like, he was pushing that. He's mm-hmm. like, "This is what you want to drink." It's and a, I've had it. It's a crazy gin. It didn't strike me as unusual, but maybe because I didn't really – like I was mixing it with things uh-huh. and I wasn't I, – I hadn't sampled it on its own. I love the – again, I love the bottle. The bottle the is
0: fantastic. It's yeah. It's
1: this coffin-shaped glass bottle. Ex- that's exactly how they describe it. It's like a little coffin. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, Uncle Val's. Um, and the, the new one I have, the Corbin, which is the uh, sweet potato-based gin. Right, right. W- which is also super good, but – not when I drank it, it was not at all what I was expecting it to be. I thought it would be towards the sweeter side, mm-hmm. and that um, it, it might uh, overwhelm the botanicals or whatever. But it's mm, no, it is. It's <laughs> spicy. Oh, interesting. It, it is good. It is a good. Well, I mean, I,
0: sweet potato. When you distill sweet potato, you get a fairly neutral tasting spirit. That's that's uh, a lot of uh, soju. From mm-hmm. Korea is made with sweet potato and it's it just tastes like nice soft booze. It, a- I, I was
1: impressed. I again I I, I got that at Cask and they they are selective about what they keep in stock and mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it before or heard of it. Um and I always want to try the new gin and I I really like it. It's really nice. Excellent. And I, I believe it is local. I think it's either Napa or Sonoma as well.
0: Well, and you should probably go make yourself a martini with it, because it's half-time. Because look. Yeah, I'm also sad in my glass. (laughs) All right. Uh, Chapter two. All right. All righty. Welcome back. So how'd you do it this time? So this... Is
1: uh, the 209 Cabernet barrel aged gin? Ah, uh, yes. With um, the Dolan dry and a kumquat, because
0: <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I'm crazy. That's gorgeous. It wraps around the full glass. How I didn't know. I didn't think lemon and the
1: Cabernet would quite go, but I didn't want to do orange either. And I've got kumquats mm-hmm. um, because I, I I found that recipe that um, called for. Muddled kumquat and uh, and uh, plum uh, the, the 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 Asian plum sauce. Oh right! As a as an ingredient, so uh-huh. I had to get some because I wanted to try it because it looked amazing. Sure. Which I haven't had yet, but now I got to use a kumquat. So, cheers! Cheers.
0: So I did. Uh, I switched my gin to the uh, Saint George terroir. Ooh, this is nice. And I upped the vermouth just a tiny bit. And this is a fantastic martini.
1: Oh, and I used uh, sour
0: cherry bitters. Ah yes. I used my homemade um the one I called Madras blood orange bitters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are you still making bitters? No. I just still have them from when I made them.
1: <laughs> because they did, last forever. Did you did you give those as gifts for, for Christmas or anything?
0: Yeah. I gave That's... it I I gave it to several people. Mm-hmm. Including that is, you, that is perfect. Oh, that is good. Mm.
1: So the uh, the two hundred nine barrel aged gins, I don't believe they're making them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do. There's two. There's a Chardonnay barrel aged and a Cabernet barrel aged, and one is you know slightly pink and one is slightly yellow. Yep. <clears throat> I guess I'll say golden because saying slightly yellow sounds urany. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You don't want urany colored. Um, but they are—they're quite lovely. So if you do find them somewhere and they're overpriced, which they're kind of overpriced anyway, um, <laughs> I would splurge. I would get them. They're okay. really good. Okay.
0: So, my—did uh, you finish your sort of progression to Martini fandom?
1: I, uh, I'm going to say yes. So you, we, th- we it, started going
0: into... It the, was London and Hendrix and all that stuff. and Yeah. And since, then from there, then I then started exploring. A gin hound.
1: Yes. Uh, and you, as you said, the martini, um, once you go gin, you never go back. Or uh, if we can rhyme that in some manner, mm-hmm. we would do it. But once you go gin, you
0: always give in. <laughs> 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 um... That that's yeah. like the uh, Dorothy Parker quote, which is uh, let me. I have a handy book right in front of me that I will read from so that I get it correct. But it is, I like to have a martini, two at the very most. After three, I'm under the table. After four, I'm under my host. <laughs> Here's to that. <laughs> Here's to that. Oh man, yeah. I and, and again.
1: I I did a dainty, dainty martini, so if I skip out in the middle, you'll have to just talk over me. That's it doesn't right. take me long to make them, though. No, you, you know why they're in the freezer. You, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, if you have any kumquats, that I would. That works. It's not, well, it's not orange and it's not lemon. It's like between them. Okay. So it, yeah, it does work, and it's a lovely smell, scent smell smell is not a good word
0: smell is like yellow yeah smell <laughs> how, how does it smell no it has a lovely scent bouquet so i can't really pinpoint why i started d- drinking martinis and making martinis but it was the mid 90s and it was one of those drinks that sophisticated people had you know and if i would go to a bar once i was out of college yeah um I'd get myself a martini just so I'd seem fancy.
1: Were you an early drinker? Were you in high school drinking?
0: No. Not at all? Not beers or anything? Hardly at all. Um, My senior year when we were cleaning up the house to move, um, my mom offered to buy a six-pack for a friend and I if we would paint my room. Mm -hmm. And... That might have been the first time I had beer in high school. Like, it, I, I didn't I, – I turned my nose up at it. I was judgy of people that did <laughs> That would mean uh, – I was that too. Uh, in high school, there was th- what we called the parking lot crowd. Right. I was never part of that crowd. I didn't smoke weed. I didn't drink. I didn't do any of those things.
1: No, I was I was so straight-laced, I didn't even curse. Mm. Like, the first time I cursed in front of my mother, she was aghast. I was I was really good at cursing. <laughs> it, it took me a while, um, and I I can't explain why. Because uh, it does. I mean, it's lovely. Cursing is great. I yes. recommend it to everybody. Um,
0: Scientifically proven to be therapeutic. Is it really? Yes. Well, that's fucking great, right? It's amazing. Um,
1: so, okay, so mar- martinis for you, like, post-college, you
0: said? After college, like, once I had a job and was making money and stuff like that. like.
1: And did you dive directly into the gin, or did you stop
0: off at Vodka Land? No, well, I had been influenced by media somehow, and <laughs> somebody... and I, It could have actually been my grandfather. Hmm. Because... And I want, I want to talk about this eventually, so I'm sort of trying to save some of it. All but, right. But he's my primary influence in terms of, like, you make drinks at home and you have drinks daily and stuff like that. The way I behave is modeled after my grandfather. Hmm. Um, but he always made gin martinis for my grandmother. He was a scotch guy. Okay. But he also drank the martinis. And it was always gin. And it may have been him or it may have been somebody in the 90s that was on, like, Food Network or whatever, because Mm -hmm. that's what I was consuming then, um, who said, you know, a martini is a gin martini. Vodka martinis are not. Yeah. And you pointed out that a vodka martini is actually called a kangaroo. It is a kangaroo, gentlemen and ladies at home. Which I love. I love that. I love that it actually has a name so I can, you know, stop. Lord it over people. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I I actually have been that asshole in the restaurant that's like, I'll have a martini and the server's like, would you like gin or vodka? And I'm like, I said martini.
1: Yes, exactly. I, I,
0: I, I've, I've actually I... done that. I've actually done that. I don't feel good about it. But... <laughs> I get almost violent,
1: not, not, I don't get violent over very much. And I tend not, I don't like violence, but over this issue, (laughs) a martini is made with gin and only gin. I, I, I know that most, even most bartenders say, no, we don't stick to it that hard. If if the customer wants a vodka martini, we'll give them a vodka martini. Right. And I'm going to also guess that probably a lot of, People who order a martini only want a vodka martini or a kangaroo mm-hmm. um, just based on the number of people I know who who you know are vociferous about their dislike of gin um, in any in any manner which uh, boggles
0: my mind but um, we we've, we've covered this endlessly many, many many times yes just gonna keep going back to it because it's insane it is insane people out there please just try gin drink it it's good for you yeah again
1: <laughs> like, go. Go to Whitechapel or find a place that has an ample number of gins and explain to the bartender, you know, I don't tend to like gin, although I know it's an ingredient in most if not all of the best cocktails. So, please help me. And I, I bet they are if uh, if they are a fan of gin and what bartender is not going to be a fan of gin. Right. If you're not a fan of gin, you're not going to be a bartender. Please. I'm going to say like uh just please don't. <laughs> no, what are you what are you doing back there? I do I, – I firmly believe you will find one that you like, uh, even if it, and even if it's – I shouldn't say it like this, but I will. Even if it's Beefeater. Beefeater huh. is a perfectly fine
0: gin. Well, it's it's not necessarily about finding the gin that you like. It's about finding the drink that you like gin in. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, because I think – Because about, that's the gateway. That's the gateway. If you what? can find a drink that you enjoy that is based on gin – you will cross that mental divide and start to explore other drinks that contain gin. But do you think those people need to be fooled? Like, should they be given
1: a cocktail with gin but not told gin is in it? Absolutely not. Because, and I, the reason I raise this point is when I was out to dinner uh, a few months ago with a crowd in and we went to a local restaurant, and And really are so my companion it was my companion 's family it was his mother and his two sisters uh, who have a professed all of them professed dislike of gin I right. do not like gin right, and um, we tried uh, we were at um, an Indian restaurant on uh, Fillmore, whose name escapes me at the moment, but it 's named after the flatbread
0: and this is where the uh, the, the the peony drink comes from.
1: Yes, did I tell this story? I'm always telling. I'm like I'm becoming my mother.
0: <laughs> you tell the when same I, stories <laughs> when I when I talk to
1: my mother on the phone. I hear. I tend to hear the same stories. But anyway, I'm pretty sure we published the peony story. So, and yes, and they didn't, and and they professed that they could taste the gin in it. And I I wanted to debate that point. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, you can't, because there's a lot of
0: things going on here. But to them, it was the juniper. Mm -hmm. They could taste the juniper. So I recently started a new job. So I have new workmates and I work in downtown Boulder. So I have access to all kinds of great restaurants and bars Mm -hmm. and after work activities. So we went out and we did one of those puzzle rooms where they lock you in a room and you have to solve the puzzle to... I don't know what you're talking about, but go ahead. There, there's That's... there's a thing. It's called the Enigma Room. It's all over the place in different cities. That sounds horrible. It's actually kind of fun. It's, it's like real life mist or something like that. Like <laughs> okay. You have to solve the puzzle to get out of the room. All right. Anyway, we did that as a group, team building stuff, and it was great. And then afterwards, we went out to Cocktails, Mm -hmm. and we went to one of my favorite places in Boulder called Oak at 14th. Um, The bar manager there is named Brian Dayton. He's been on the cover of GQ. He's, like, super famous and awesome. Very friendly guy. And if he's been on GQ, I think he's probably dapper. He is very dapper.
1: Good.
0: I like like dapper men. Usually in a gray three-piece suit, super dapper. He's got nice nice gray salt and pepper hair. He's he's a good-looking man. Okay. So I trust the bar there implicitly. Great people have worked at that bar. And we go in, and it's happy hour because it's like 5 o'clock or something. Actually, it's earlier. It's like 4.30. (laughs) Good. Because they open for lunch and stay open, which is Mm -hmm. fantastic. So you get to do some early drinking. I'm all for that. And... One of their happy hour items is dealer's choice. Ooh. And it's not like a bartender's choice where they ask you, so what kind of spirit do you prefer and da-dee-da? It is flat out a blind cocktail. You, you <laughs> say dealer's choice, they run off without asking any questions and bring you back a cocktail. I love that. Uh, so do I. So we were sitting around looking at our menus and da-dee-da. And I said, Well, I'm getting dealer's choice. And they are like, Is that the sort of situation where they ask you and it's blah blah blah? No. They're like around here, <laughs> dealer's choice is for real, dealer's choice. It's the wheel of fortune. And there were six of us there. For whatever reason, it you know, put let's go ahead and credit my influence. But everybody got dealer's choice, right down the line. Wow. The bartender that was taking care of us, I think, is, like, the head bartender or the bar manager or whatever his station is. He's really good. I can't remember his name right now. But he lined up his mixing glasses and shakers and poured out all the ingredients. And I was watching and giving commentary the whole time because he would build them one drink at a time. And I was like, oh, that's an aviation. <laughs> Such a nerd! You're so nerdy. That's the last word. <laughs> That's a corpse survivor, and down the line, those were all the o- good. All good. Those were the only three that I recognized as named cocktails. The other ones were like this one is Scotch with some orange juice, but it's not a Blood and Sand, so I don't know what it was. Hmm. And there was something sort of like a Black Manhattan that was my drink, but it wasn't a Black Manhattan. It was a Manhattan with like Cardamaro and other interesting stuff Mm -hmm. and then there was something that was like vodka and cognac and other stuff all fantastic drinks we you know shared glasses around the bar and all that but one of my co-workers is a self-professed non-fan of gin (laughs) yes insane in other words right crazy person Mm -hmm. he also doesn't eat vegetables what
1: oh that's all right Jason Kotke used to be that way. He's a young person. He'll grow out of it. Just dropping names here. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with just a meat diet, frankly. Well, that's the paleo guys do that, right? I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) keep going. Sorry. So
0: we had this rainbow of drinks. I actually tweeted the picture of, like, this six cocktails just going from brown to blue, and it was gorgeous. And I was like, you need to taste some of these gin drinks. He's like, I don't like gin. Like, well you should you should taste them. Give it a try. Just just a sip. Start with the aviation. Do that one first. It's blue and it's delicious. And he tasted it. He's like, That's actually pretty good. Because <laughs> it's an aviation. Yeah. I'm like, now try the Corpse reviver. Oh, that's actually pretty good too. Also awesome, yes. <laughs> And then the last word, I warned him, chartreuse can be kind of weird. But he liked it. So I think he's going to be a gin drinker eventually. Or at least a gin cocktail drinker. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which may lead him to be a gin drinker. I, I feel like it usually does. Maybe not always. And I still don't, like, I don't just drink gin on a rock like I do whiskey. I do. Like, not even with Monkey 47 I tried it. really I did once just because mm-hmm. people said that gin was so amazing it could be consumed that way um, it was fine it, it's 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 not my favorite experience I would rather have gin with compliments hmm which is interesting to think about because gin is so complex on its own you'd think it would just be fine on its own and but you don't find it that way I I prefer it with some vermouth which is more complexity. And yeah, that's yeah, that's really interesting to think about because the martini our our drink tonight is uh complexity on top of complexity with a little dash of complexity if you make it with bitters. So,
1: um while you were while you were talking, not that I wasn't paying attention, but I wanted to remember what the drinks were that I had at Whitechapel. And unlike many bars, their entire menu is online. Mm. Super, thank you. Cheers uh, to that. Cheers. Even if, even if it's a PDF, I still like that it's there. So the third drink that I had was the Salerno. Okay. Which is B Theater 24. Which is actually fantastic, Jen. Benedictine. Uh-huh. Italian vermouth, just, jasmine green tea. It,
0: Italian white vermouth? You, it
1: just says Italian vermouth. But was it, was I, it I, sweet I, vermouth? I, think it, like I a, think
0: it was sweet. So like a <clears throat> torino or something like that? Yeah.
1: Uh, jasmine green tea, soda, and lime. Was it a tall drink? No, it just came in a, a cocktail glass. Oh, like interesting. A, it was... Awesome. It was so good. So it must have um, just had like a dash of soda for
0: effervescence.
1: Yeah, because I don't remember the soda, although that was my third cocktail. So <laughs> probably not remembering is, you know, right right along in the lines. And I'm looking through their menu now to find my fourth one, which was also awesome. Oh, it's the one I tweeted, which is the better part of Valor. Oh, Right. Which was Martin Miller Westbourne, and again, Martin Miller, one of the best gins out there. Um, and the Westbourne is kind of like their Navy-strength gin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with Amaro Nonino. Mm. Kino L'Avion. And okay. Furnette, and Fernet Branca.
0: Wow. That is a lot going on in a cup. So that's that's like a hanky-panky sort of jacked up a little bit. It was super... Awesome! It was
1: so nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm having happy memories now. <laughs> oh, and, and while we're talking, while we're back on the subject of, of, of Whitechapel, I should also point out um, that, like Smugglers Cove, they have a club you can join. Okay. Called the Polk Street Irregulars. So when you join. That when you join the, the club, there's a series of lessons, I guess, about gin that you do. Oh. And uh, the first being, they give you a uh, small glass of juniper berries mm-hmm. and a small glass of gin, like a, just a, like a half an ounce, so that you can distinguish.
0: So you can only-
1: find that juniper note. You can find the juniper note, okay. But you kind of crush the berries if you want, or whatever you want to do with it. Because this with the is berries. something
0: you've said, like you're not sure you can identify juniper.
1: In I'm, I am not, and I haven't, I haven't gone through the lessons. I joined the club, but I was having so much fun just like exploring the menu, I, I didn't want to. Oh, you did join it. I did join. Okay. Um, so, so it's two phases. One is that series of lessons about gin. So they give you flights of gin. Uh, they teach you about Jennifer and the history of gin. You understand what an English dry gin as opposed to the new American gin, et cetera. Is, is
0: this on their schedule or yours? Like, do do you get to walk in and say, like, do my class? Or uh, it's it's entirely up to you. Okay. So
1: you can go. I believe you can go in order, and then when you check out, they they'll check off on your. It's 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 uh, available on your phone or however you want to manage it. So that they can keep track of your, your club membership. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, because they have like 300 gins, um, you also mark down which of the cocktails that you've had and what gin is in there so that you can sample without having to sample uh-huh. all of their gins. So that you can keep track of, oh, I've had the Beef Eater 24. I, I've had the Tanqueray 10. I've had the whatever. and But I haven't had blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you, that'll influence your
0: ordering. It's like find me something with this in it.
1: Exactly. Yeah you can point to you can point to a bottle and say what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Give me something with that in it, and then they
0: can look at the menu or they can probably make something up. Um, well, presumably they've tested their recipes so that they have beef eater twenty four in that cocktail because that is the best fit gen for the flavor profile they were going for.
1: One presumes, again, so so talking to uh, the lovely young woman whose name has escaped my head. Elspeth? No, no. Elspeth was the server. (laughs) I I was referring to the artist who did the touch-up work on the the atmosphere. Sure. Um, They were testing out the cocktails on on them as they were constructing the bar. Mm -hmm. So I I do believe there was a, a great deal of testing going on about which ones are going to make the menu and which ones are not. Um, it's like I said. It is an ample menu. There is a ton of stuff on there, and there. In addition, there are also nightly specials. So it's crazy. Like I, you could go every night and get something different.
0: I'm just going to pause right now and restate the fact that this Saint George Terroir Gin Martini I have is fantastic. You really is yeah. and is that is that the the piney one? It's the one where they collected botanicals off of Mount Tam and did all the distilling with those and it's my favorite sort of crazy gin. <laughs> crazy gin. Well, it, it, yeah. So I yeah. have I have categories of gin. Like my my baseline gin is Tanqueray these days or Beefeater. Can so can you make a martini with juniper?
1: I'm sure it would be a different drink. I'm I think that's gonna be my because like I said, I'm yeah, I'm you,
0: doing, yeah, yeah, you're doing small ones. Oh. And the weirdest
1: uh the weirdest drink I've ever made was a Jennifer with a beer.
0: Yeah, I I'm here. It with B Y R R H beer. Um Which tasted a bit like burning rubber. Yeah. Um, I'm going to suggest you not try to experiment (laughs) with Jennifer. Okay. For your last martini because— I'm going to go make one more. You're probably not going to like it. Can you keep our audience uh, entertained
1: while I'm gone? It'll just take a moment because my gin's in the freezer.
0: It'll just take a moment so I don't really have to. Plus, I'm the editor so I can cut everything out. (laughs) Magic. (laughs) All right.
1: I'll be right back. All right. All right, so Rusty Blade, specific for KL Wines, which is a local company here. Okay, does a lot of um, like they go to the manufacturers and say just give us something special, right? So this is Rusty Blade Cask Strength Single Barrel, and Rusty Blade is a um, Old Tom, I believe. Mm. This is bottle number fifteen of batch KL one one two. For K&L Wines. For K&L Wines. um, And I did this with a twist and uh, again with the Dolan and uh, this time with Boker's Bitters.
0: So very near to a Martinez. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So. Uh, Yeah. Um. We're ho- am- we're horrible at ter- telling long stories on this podcast, but we no, were great at it. My uh, as far as my journey to martinis, History? yes. Um, like I said, I would drink them when I went out to fancy steakhouses and stuff like that. And I, there, there's a when we moved to Colorado, there is a uh, chop house which is mm. you know, steakhouse type of place, maybe a chain, whatever. Um, and if you ordered a martini, they'd bring this giant tree of different olives in little cups. <laughs> a tree? Yeah, like a metal spiral that had little cups welded onto it. And With olives in it. Yeah, so you, they had normal <laughs> pimento stuff, they had garlic stuff, they had... Blue cheese stuff. Okay, that just seems. Okay, go ahead. I it, don't mean to interrupt. It's totally excessive, but they were also, you know, making, you know, giant like six ounce martinis, probably shaking the hell out of them, regardless. So it was that kind of place. It's where it's where fat lawyers went to get a steak and a martini or five. Or just
1: they don't have to be fat. Why do you? No, don't don't be. Wait waitist? Waitist? They could you could you can be lawist. Okay. Yeah. But they don't have oh. to be fat. They can but, be rich.
0: I mean, if they're if they're having five martinis and a steak, they're gonna get fat.
1: <laughs> they you know, okay. I'll give you that. I'll grant you that.
0: Anyway, we used to like that place a lot and we would go there and I would get the martini and I'd pick my olives from the giant tree of olives. I love that scene, and it was great. It, it it by my standards now, probably not the best martini, but it was it was a great experience. And that so I'm I'm sorry. Is the martini is the olive tree for the martini? Yeah. So they bring you the martini, and then like pick your olive. They actually bring you a tiny shaker. Like <clears throat> they they make the drink. They transfer it to a teeny tiny, like one-person shaker, right? And you and they pour your first serving, right? But you have spare martini in the I, little shaker.
1: Is that place still there? Can we go?
0: Can yeah. I go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I totally want to do this thing. <laughs> I, this I don't know if amazing. they still do the tree of olives. I need to. They will do it for us. I, I need to research, but I. Oh my god! It's 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 a great experience. It's it's you feel. You know, like a king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I will have a, <laughs> I will have a garlic-stuffed All of olive. the olives. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fill this glass with olives and pour gin on top. That's amazing. What an awesome idea. But that's like the pinnacle of sort of the 90s, the dry, this super, super dry martini <laughs> era. Do you know what gin they used? Did it matter? Uh, they would always ask, and I would always say Sapphire. Oh, okay. Not bartender's choice. No, Just, uh, yeah. I would always, at this F- point at this point in time, because this was like early 2000s, so it's practically still the 90s. So there, I, I knew Sapphire was the gin I liked. There
1: is an absurd number of weird olives that you can buy. Yeah. And still, the, the blue cheese, the almond, mm-hmm. the regular, um, what else is, oh, pepper, pepper olives I've had. Garlic stuffed lemon olives. Lemon those. Yes, those are actually
0: fantastic. It's like having a it's like having a twist and an olive.
1: Yes, great. They they also do the um, the mini self serve shaker here at the House of Prime Rib.
0: Mm. But you don't get an olive tree. That's amazing. What I hope they still do it because I do too. If they do, I'm gonna get you to come to Colorado just Mm -hmm. with that. You will. you. I will go. Just for the olive,
1: olive tree. Metal olive tree. Yeah. And a, they
0: bring it to your table. They bring it right to the table and leave it in the center of the table. So you can just stack on them, too. You can. If you're,
1: if you're not having a martini.
0: Like, the pretense is this is for your drink, but they leave it unattended. God. Who thought of that? That's amazing. Yeah. I want that here. I hope
1: it's still a thing. I need to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to like send a tweet to Martin Kate and go like, okay, Whitechapel's <laughs> nice. But do you have an olive tree? No. Right? Right. That. I mean, that's a page by itself, the, the olives that you can put into your, your martini. And don't, don't make me choose. Bring me the olives. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> now, did they, So, so did you, did you like pierce them with a
0: toothpick or did you just plunk them in no yeah you'd you'd load up a toothpick or i think they might have given you like a nice cocktail pick nice you 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 would put like two or three on a pick and put that i wanted to show off
1: my cocktail pick but i took it took it away i have these beautiful they're literally sterling silver cocktail picks that i bought because I do like an I I think the presentation is pretty important.
0: Do you spend your Sundays polishing your silver picks? I don't. They <laughs> they keep their polish pretty much. Like I can I can um cuz I have sterling silver picks and they're gross.
1: Oh, no, mine maybe mine are st- stainless steel. But I thought they were sterling silver. Uh-huh. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I bought these beautiful copper cups. And for no what, reason, like Moscow mule cups or what? No, no, no. They are um, they're hand spun, and there's a tall one and a short one. So there's like a, it's not a it's not a Collins glass, but it, it it's 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 ample for mm-hmm. for for ice cubes. And then there's a like a squatty one. It's more uh, like a
0: rocks glass. Like yes,
1: and um, and the only reason I bought them. Was because I have the the copper shaker and now I have the copper, uh, the jigger that you bought. The Leopold? I was jealous. You got, I was jealous.
0: Did you get it's, the Leopold? It's beautiful. It's so gorgeous. This and is made with the Leopold. I, I don't believe you. And it you, tastes better. I don't believe you wear rings, but I have two different rings. Mm-hmm. And when I handle that jigger, I sometimes hit it with my ring. And it, mm-hmm. it rings like a bell. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Just hit it with a spoon or something. It's Each end you, is a different you, note. Did you buy the, the copper shaker? No. I, you
1: bought it for friends, though, right? Yes. Um, did you? It's, it weighs
0: like 50 I, pounds. I didn't get to handle it. I, I shipped it directly to them. It is super heavy. It's crazy. And this is the cobbler shaker. With yes,
1: your, yeah. and it says it's it says on the site uh, heavyweight, and you're thinking, oh, what does that mean? Oh. It it literally it <laughs> it is ample. <laughs> it's crazy, and you're and I'm wondering, like, you know, again from from the standpoint of of, of the bartender, does this does this make the cocktail better? But <laughs> I feel like when I'm shaking it, yes, it totally does.
0: Well, I mean, at the very least, you feel confident holding something that sturdy. It's and it's gorgeous. Have you seen it in person?
1: No. It's not. you should get one just to have it. It's beautiful. And I also got one of the <laughs> 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 you're so nerding out right now about this stupid shit. I also got the uh, um, all of
0: this equipment is available at cocktailkingdom.com. Cocktail Kingdom. I got the. Um, Who should sponsor our podcast? I got the. <laughs> yeah, somebody should, right? I
1: got the um, cocktail kingdom limited edition. I don't know what it's. It's not called limited edition, but the jigger. The 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 the. I, hold on, I'm gonna go get it.
0: Oh, that jigger. Yes. That was on their like fancy site. It is their fancies, yes. Yeah, so this was out of stock for a while. That's made. Just... That's made with. That is made of silver. That that's coated in silver. Yes, it's
1: it is so. Let me explain it to the the kids at home. It's it's so... a
0: stepped cup. It's a stepped. It is a stepped measuring cup, cup
1: with a with a lovely handle attached that I think was probably attached by like Paul Revere. <laughs> um, the by stepped cup um so the each half ounce is marked by a uh the cup gets wider
0: yes but so the circumference wider. the circumference of the cup increases at each half ounce it's so lovely
1: and and only you i think <laughs> you and i would appreciate the beauty of this jigger that's amazing. And I, so, and I bought two of them. Not you bought th- these. Oh. No, I, oh. I mean, I bought. so I bought the copper one that you have because it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I actually, and I, and I actually I didn't it. realize they made the Leopold Jigger in copper because the Leopold Jigger on its own in stainless steel is amazing. Mm-hmm. But coated in copper. Mm, oh, my God. Yeah. So
1: I was at um, – Oh, God. Boxing Room, which is a local restaurant. And, and and I think I mentioned this last time. And what they do is they put a rubber band around the the center because to handle it, you know, to flip it. Yeah. They found that it was a little slippery for them.
0: So I make a mess every time I make a drink with the Leopold Jigger. So apparently put a rubber band around it and you can grab it. I, I don't know if that's my problem. I think, or get this beautiful thing. i th- I think I get, like, tentative about it and jittery. So I just, I end up throwing. <laughs> it's so pretty? I throw the booze. Well, because I handled the jigger in my left hand, which is not my primary hand. Oh, no, don't do that. Why do you do that? That's probably my problem, huh? Mm.
1: All right. Ah, and, and this was made by, this was made with the Leopold jigger. I did not use the, the fancy schmancy <laughs> jigger. This is almost like this is like
0: I don't know dress jigger. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Formal dress jigger. That that was not a cheap little piece of equipment.
1: It was not, but um, I I appreciate the tools.
0: Yeah, you, you need to treat yourself every once in a while. And so. I
1: and I do like so. The other thing is, I'm just going to throw this in. I know we're running out of time, but. Uh. You can see the, the portions of this clearly in a darkened room without having to check.
0: Okay, that's an important point. Mm-hmm. Important point. Um, we are over time, but I want to quickly run through like my little martini history stuff. Yes. So, my grandfather made martinis, blah de blah. Those were always martinis on the rocks, which, you know, like lots of ice, because they lived in Florida. So, everything had (laughs) lots of ice. So, that was that. That was my first impression of a martini. Then, in the 90s, martinis were super dry, and that's how I liked them. And I would, like, literally, you know, wave the mixing glass next to the vermouth bottle, and that would be enough. Mm
1: -hmm. But I still
0: had the vermouth bottle. It was three years old, and I never touched it. Martini and Rossi, I assume? Probably. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, at the same time I bought this book which is nice called, it's beautiful uh, the martini by Barnaby Conrad the <laughs> third who based on the inner sleeve looks every bit as you know country club, pretentious Country club pretentious as you would expect <laughs> he's the third the third Barnaby But it's it's, a
1: beautiful book though.
0: It's actually a very nice book. It's all about sort of cultural references to martinis. So that's, that's where I found my Dorothy Parker quote. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a good book. I don't know if it's still in print, but I like it and I keep it on my shelf. That was the nineties into the two thousands. And then I got into then the whole pre prohibition craft cocktail thing started to happen and I got into that. So how how did you get into
1: that? What what prompted that? Do you do you remember?
0: Well, I mean, I was making drinks all the time anyway. It was just I was making the drinks of the time, which were dry martinis and mojitos and stuff like that. Right. So, but then, but what's but what 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 like prompted you?
1: What switched you to understand? Oh, I can do more. I can do interesting stuff. There's a there's a history that I'm missing.
0: Well, the, the industry switched. But you weren't in the industry. No, I wasn't, but I was a consumer of the industry. But so, but what did, did you, was there
1: like, did you walk into a bar and somebody made you something that was like, what the fuck is this? Or was it just sort of, you just sort of eased into it?
0: No, it was just cultural. I okay. Think. Like you know, I, I'm an observer of the industry, and that's where the industry went. And I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." It's like so that like the steakhouse martini with the olive tree mm-hmm. is kind of that's a weird sort of modernization. Not quite. Don't quite want to call it like a bastardization. But yeah, it's it's not a classic martini.
1: So you took it upon yourself to explore what was going on?
0: Yeah. I I started to seek out the actual bars that were doing the craft cocktail thing. Okay. And by that extension, I started to do the craft cocktail thing at home. Like, that's when I learned that I enjoyed Manhattans, and that's when I learned that I actually cared if you shook my Manhattan versus <laughs> stirring it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I learned about all these other drinks, you know, the aviation, the corpse reviver, all these things we talk about all the time. And then I circled back to the martini. Yeah. I was like, wait, the martini used to have, like, actually a lot of vermouth in it mm-hmm. C- compared to, like, the Dribble or the Nun. Yes. It was an actual cocktail. It was an actual cocktail. It had bitters mm-hmm. in it. That was a surprise to me. Yeah. Honestly, in the 90s, a martini was just a cold shot of gin. It was. Or Ma- vodka. Maybe with some olive juice. Like that yes. was that was the more common addition to a martini in the 90s and the early 2000s than vermouth. More yep. of more often you would add olive brine to your martini than you would vermouth. Yes.
1: More often, op- yes, more often. When you think about it, yeah, you were drinking a salty
0: thing. Yeah. So I, I found the classic, like, 50s proportions, and I tried it, and I thought it was a great drink, especially as I found new vermouths, like when, mm-hmm. when Vaya came out of California.
1: I heartily agree. Via Via did change a lot for me as
0: well. When I made a martini with the Via dry vermouth, boom. Blew my mind. Yeah. And I I made that like two to one. It was great. Wow. It was great. Yeah, it was. It it still is. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Highly suggested via sweet vermouth and dry vermouth. Get them both. Keep them Mm -hmm. forever. Yes. So, yeah, that's, that's, and that's where I am now. It's like, I don't often make martinis because I more often make something fancier, something more convoluted or whatever.
1: I I'm the opposite because it is like when when I well, and plus my simple drink these days is a Negroni. It's still a martini for me. I because it, everything 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 is readily available and easy to mix and I can get it fairly quickly.
0: Well, okay. So, and given your frozen gin habit, I think you take advantage of that more than I do. I, <laughs> I totally do. But I can build a Negroni in the glass, so I don't have to get any mixing hardware out. Okay. Yes. So that that's why I default to a Negroni. Do you Negroni on the rocks, or do you Negroni? I, ne- I Negroni on the rocks almost okay. exclusively, yeah. And is it one ounce, one ounce, one ounce? Uh, if I'm home for the <laughs> evening, it's more like one and a half times three. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: Cheers to that! <laughs> that's that's amazing. No, I do one
0: to one to one. Sometimes I do two to two to two. Mm. I have big rocks glasses. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that again. That's
1: kind of why I got these copper cups.
0: It saves you a trip back to the bar. Mm.
1: <laughs> and a Negroni is, I would agree. The Negroni is is the perfect cocktail because it is equal portions of three things. Easy to keep in stock. Easy to remember. Mm-hmm. The martini you you need to adjust a bit.
0: Yeah, according to the gin, according to the vermouth, you need to yes. find yep. you, you need to find the ratio almost every time. Like anytime, yeah. any, anytime you have something new, you need to adjust. You, you, yep. need, you need to try the standard recipe and but see Negroni which way is you a want Negroni, to
1: go. Right.
0: Yeah, and you can. Pre mix and batch them, and just have a bottle of like cold Negroni in your refrigerator.
1: And again, I'm just going to throw in here: if you don't have a way of carbonating your cocktails,
0: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: super recommend it because a carbonated Negroni is awesome. It really is. A carbonated martini is also, except the danger
0: very very hard to carbonate a martini. (laughs) But the danger being, it goes down so quickly, you don't realize. <laughs> the the higher the alcohol, the harder it is to carbonate a liquid. Mm-hmm. So a martini is pretty hard to carbonate, but you but can. They're lovely. You can do it, and they will go down super easy. All right, Lance. We are past time.
1: Uh, there's no such thing, Jake. We're having a good time, <laughs> like being at a bar. You don't you know, like in, until it's two a.m. I don't. What What is the um? When does Denver close down? 2 o'clock for bars. 2 o'clock? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's 2 a.m. Last call. hmm Cheers. Cheers. Ah. Thanks for listening, folks.
0: Bye, everybody. This is A Drink With Something In It by Ogden Nash. There is something about a martini, a tingle remarkably pleasant, a yellow, a mellow martini. I wish I had one at present. There is something about a martini. Ere the dining and dancing begin, and to tell you the truth, it's not the vermouth. I think that perhaps it's the gin.
1: I am a, I am, I am pretty drunk.